everyone. Welcome to the weekly recap. Corey here. And today we are taking a look at a Psalm 19 to 49. So this is our assigned reading. What was our assigned reading for the week in the Bible Discovery Guide with Bible Discovery and Bible Discovery TV. As always, I'm here with my husband, Matlock. Hey, Matlock. Hey. Hey, you ready to read the Psalms? I am ready. Recap the Psalms, I yes, guess. We're not really which reading is them. more difficult. I, yeah. Yes. Indeed it is. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is. It is. I mean, yeah. poetry, like summarize poetry very quickly. I mean, yeah. not easy, but there's still some really interesting things that we can draw out. We're going to try our best. Yes, let's do it. We're going to try our best. Okay. Psalm 19. This is the famous song uh, about how God has revealed himself through creation and through his law. So there's two things that he draws out here. So this is where that beautiful saying that you will often hear still put into modern Christian music. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Less often quoted, but still as important is the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. Right. And well, theologians will make the distinction here between verses one to six and and verses seven to 11. Verses one to six is general revelation. Seven to 11 is special revelation. So general revelation is what we all know it to be. Talking about creation. We're talking about creation, and, things yeah. of the world that you intuitively know God must have made. Right. So this ties into Romans, and I'll read you the quote from Romans, of Romans 1, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. He's talking about people. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So this is what this psalm, that's what Paul is referring to here. Right. Is that there's a this general, concept. This concept that yeah. we all intuitively know God through creation and the things around us. Mm-hmm. Secondly is a, spe- a special revelation, which is a direct and explicit communication to and through people. Um, and that's important because... Creation itself is inherently voiceless. It doesn't talk to you. But uh, God does talk to people and through people. Right. And And through his word. That's right. And so when you have explicit things, they act like the law. Mm -hmm. You can't argue against the things like Mm -hmm. don't lie. You can't argue. You can't. Right. So there's explicit things that are super important. But also, too, you know that these come from God because it's intuitive through creation. So they they act like as this perfect interlocking. Right. Different ways that God speaks. That's right. Highlighted. In Psalm 19. Okay, Psalm 20. This was meant to be a corporate prayer. So a prayer that the people prayed all together for victory for the king. And it ends with, Lord, give victory to the king. Answer us when we call. And then chapter 21 is seems to be the response to this. This, this one records the praise of the king who was victorious. And it ends with, uh, be exalted in your strength, Lord. We will sing and praise your might. So even though the king was victorious, he's turning back that victory uh, to God, right? We will sing and praise your might, not my might. I recognize that it is you who gives glory. It is you who gives victory in battle. Uh, so it, 20 and 21 are really, really neatly connected in that way. Psalm 22. This is a big one. This is a, a psalm of suffering. Uh, and this is the psalm that Jesus quoted on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, you know, that that quote goes on. Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the cries of my anguish. In other words, why am I going through this? Um, 
the the answer is provided here in Psalm 22 as well. Yet you are enthroned. You saved our ancestors. Um, you know, there's some really interesting quotes in there. But I am a worm and not a man scorned, despised by everyone. Yet you caused me to be born. You caused me to live. Don't be far from me for trouble is near and there is no one to help. And it goes on to describe these depths of despair and, and how bad, uh, you know, that this really is. Um, and with all of this suffering, then all of a sudden in verse 22, it switches to a praise. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. Uh, it goes on, you know, verses 27 to 31. It's very appropriate for a messianic psalm. So a psalm that looks forward to the Messiah, which makes it so appropriate that Jesus quoted this from the cross. And, and the Jews of his day, you know, they knew the book of Psalms. They would have known what he was Especially quoting from. Especially because it's the first verse. Yeah. Yeah. They would have known what Jesus was quoting from. So we see in 27 to 31 how appropriate this really was and why Jesus quoted it. I, I'll read it to you. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him, for dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. Remember, Jesus is being crucified by the Romans right now. Yeah, yeah. An, an empire, someone that a nation that's ruling over. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. Yeah. So it's this really interesting. It, Psalm 22 is a good one to sit down and read through slowly this, and carefully and really think about how it applies to Christ. Yeah, because it's prophetically powerful in relation to the crucifixion. Oh, yeah. Because even verses 16 to 18. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircle me. They have pierced my hands and feet. Mm -hmm. I can count all my bones. We know not mm -hmm. a bone is broken. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And, and for my clothing, they cast lots. Yep. And we know this all happens. Mm -hmm. So it's like this is a pure crucifixion prophecy mm -hmm. in poetry uh, that, that Jesus on the cross refers to. Yes. And, and that's why it's so interesting to see then when it turns into praise and speaking about the right. future, very interesting. Because so, when I think often when we when people highlight Christ on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They remove the fact that at the end of this, there's a praise. Oh yeah, there's a power. There's, there's oh, yeah. power that comes with it, and Christ knows this. Yes, and it's like he's it's, specifically quoting this. He doesn't have the energy to quote the entire psalm, so he <laughs> yeah. says the first line, right? And then we read the rest of it and go, oh, yeah. That's what you were thinking. He's in utter pain and turmoil, but through this, he knows what's going to be accomplished. Yes. And it's all this crucifixion. Yeah, it's, a, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's very cool. Yeah. Uh, this is why knowing the Old Testament is important. Yes, it's important. It is. We can't just read the new. We have to know the old as well. Psalm 23. This is the probably the most famous psalm, I would say. It's the shepherd psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. Yeah. I lack nothing. Yeah. Right? And, and all of these really interesting themes are tied up uh, with... The idea of a shepherd, a king was seen as a shepherd. God was seen as the ultimate shepherd and king. Very interesting. Very cool. Psalm chapter 24. Uh, this 
This psalm was written as a processional to the temple or to the tent. In David's time, remember the ark was living in a tent in Jerusalem because David was not allowed to build a temple for God. I want to read to you verses three to four, and then I'm going to skip to verse seven. I did this last year too, but I just think it's cool. Uh, It says, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. So it's this processional going into Jerusalem. Psalm 25 is an acrostic poem, Uh, not so much in English, but it was so acrostic poems are alphabetical. Each each stanza begins with uh, uh, the next letter of the alphabet, but this was based off of the Hebrew alphabet, obviously. Um, and the thrust of Psalm 25 is to trust in God because he teaches, instructs, guides, and forgives. So we have this ultimate uh, merciful teacher as being compared to God in Psalm 25. Psalm 26 is a cry for vindication uh, uh, and and for rescue. So there's a bad situation that's going on here and there's been slander that's been said against the psalmist, which is David. So uh, David proclaims his innocence. Um, If we're not careful here, it can sound like David saying, I've never sinned a day in my life, which of course (laughs) would be like saying, I've never, ever lied, right? Or like, it's impossible for me to tell a lie. You're lying. Um, It it sounds like he's saying he's sinless, but he's not. he's, He's already confessed his sin in Psalm 25, verse 18, where he says, look on my affliction and my distress, take away all my sins, okay? So David is not saying that he's never sinned here, but he is asserting his he is saying that he is actively following God um, in the in the way that he has led a blameless life. So right. whenever he has sinned, he has repented and made restitution for that sin with God. So he's tried. He's really repented truly from his heart right. when he realizes his sin. Okay, Psalm 27. This is all about... Uh, when you're facing enemies, still having confidence in the Lord. Uh, I love this psalm. I, I memorized this when I was little. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Uh, so it's it's a really, really great one. Um, when we, to jump down to verses 13 to 14, I love this. Uh, even though, you know, in situations we can feel really unconfident in in how things are going to turn out. I love this line. I remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart and wait for the Lord. Not an easy thing to do. No. But very, very important. Psalm 28, this is another cry for help in the face of an enemy, uh, probably from the standpoint of a king, uh, because that's just how he refers to himself, which is really interesting, as God's anointed one. The king, God's anointed one was often used for the king of Israel uh, and then the king of Judah. Um, but then it asks God, you know, it's this, it seems to be this king talking, but then he asks God, God, save your people. So he, he's acknowledging, even though I'm the king, these aren't my people. These are actually God's people. Please, God, be their shepherd and carry them forever. So 
while I am the physical king, you need to be the actual king of this nation, which I think is really important theologically for the time period of the kings. Right. Psalm 29, uh, this is praising God in his role as creator of everything. <laughs> um uh, ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. And it goes on to talk about, you know, all of these majestic things that God has created and done. Psalm 30, this is a praise that speaks to David's life process of correction that he must have gone through many times <laughs> as we've read about David. Um, but basically, um, a summary could be that God is with David, then David gets cocky, he gets arrogant, he sins, he's separated from God in some ways, realizes it, cries out for mercy, and is restored. Right. Right? So an example of this is verse 11 and 12 where it says, You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my, my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord my God, I will praise you forever. So there's this process that he's speaking to and how that process is actually a very good thing. Uh, Psalm chapter 31, this is another prayer for rescue. This was actually also quoted by Jesus on the cross. Uh, Psalm 31, uh, verse, Psalm 31, verse five says, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. So Jesus was echoing David's cry for rescue, uh, but also David's surrender, his, his giving up of control of the situation to the faithfulness and the trustworthiness of God. I, I trust you. Right. I, I give you my spirit. So it's it's really interesting to note here that with Jesus on the cross, this would have been another slap in the face to the religious leaders who had just betrayed him because they, they would have known what he was quoting, into your hands I commit my spirit. They would have been realizing that Jesus was equating them to the enemies of David. Mm. Yeah. Because yeah. like in verse 18 of Psalm 31, it says, let their lying lips be silenced for with pride and contempt, they speak arrogantly against the righteous. Yeah. So again, Jesus knows what he's doing when he's quoting things from the Old Testament. <laughs> yeah. Even on the brink of death. Even on the brink, he knows what yeah. he's doing, man, with the word of God. Not surprising. Uh, Psalm chapter 32, this is all about man's sin and God's forgiveness. Uh, oh, like one of my favorite verses comes from Psalm 32. It's verse seven. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Mm. So songs of deliverance would be songs of praise that happen once you have been rescued. Uh, I also think verses nine to 10 are very instructive. They read more like a proverb. In fact, there is a proverb that's very close to this. Do not be like the horse or mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. So don't make God have to correct you and steer you towards his faithfulness, you should probably just go there. James sort of highlights this as well. Totally. The bridle on your mouth is your tongue, right? This is the cause of many wars and destructions. Yes. There's like, you you got to steer yourself. Yes, um, just go. Sorry, I just hit the mic with my pen. (laughs) So if you heard a little noise, 
That's what it was. All right. (laughs) Psalm 33 very interestingly begins the way Psalm 32 ends. So so Psalm 32 ends uh, by saying, Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous, uh, all you who are upright in heart. And Psalm 33 begins with, Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. So they're, they're... put together here in order to really play off of each other. Um, And then, so Psalm 33 then develops into this song of praise uh, for the righteous to sing. So it's this... It's this command, sing all you who are righteous, all you who are upright in heart, sing. And then Psalm 33 provides a song. Um, A summary could essentially be uh, praising God who is maker of all. He has all authority. He can thwart the plans of any nation, no matter how great and powerful they may seem. God can overthrow it. Uh, He does have purposes for the world that that, uh, will be met no matter what happens. So the righteous should always hope in God, no matter what it looks like in the world. Always hope in God. Psalm 34, this is another acrostic psalm, uh, so alphabetically arranged, and it's actually considered to be a wisdom psalm because it appears to be teaching people about life and God. Uh, So I'll just read to you, starting in verse 11 here, just, just a few verses. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. So we see a lot of this in the Proverbs, literally like almost word for word, the whole, listen to me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. But the difference here with Psalms is that it was set to music. So it would have been very easy to remember. Yeah. yeah. Psalm 35, this is... uh, pretty intense. David is asking God to deliver him from people who have betrayed him and are trying to kill him. Um, Essentially, these people are telling lies about David and they're trying to trap him. And I mean, again, when you go back and you read Samuel, this probably happened more than once or twice in David's life. So David calls on God not only to save him, but also to put his enemies to disgrace because David is innocent of these things that they're just lying about him to get him killed at this point. Psalm chapter 36, we've got the foolishness of the evil man or the wicked uh, contrasted with the love of God. So how it's just so different and so removed from the love of God. So the wicked In their own eyes, they flatter themselves too much to detect or hate their sin. Mm. It's important. This also goes back to, you know, looks, anticipates what Paul will teach in Romans, that at a certain point, your foolish heart becomes darkened. God, God gives you over to your sin. So they flatter themselves too much to detect or hate their sin. The words of their mouths are wicked and deceitful. They fail to act wisely or do good. Even on their beds, they plot evil. Then contrasted to this is God, your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies, your righteousness is like the highest mountains, your justice like the great deep. You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. Psalm 37, uh, this is all about how the righteous person should respond when they see the wicked being wicked. Uh, it, It opens with this. Do not fret because of those who are evil, 
or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. So this always reminds me, my mom would just be, whenever I would complain to her when I, when I was a kid, she'd be like, never mind. Never mind. Like you focus on following God. You focus on living your life. Never mind. She'd let me complain. She'd let me talk about it all day. All, and she'd go, okay, never mind. This reminds me right. of that. You trust in the Lord and do good. And it says here at 27 to 29, mm-hmm. turn away from evil and do good. So shall you dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. Basically forever three times. <laughs> yes. Long story short, to add to that whole thing is to get your mind focused on forever. Yes. With the with what's right. Yes. You, you want a good forever. You don't want a bad forever. Yes. And yeah. look, like wanting justice is not a bad thing. I I don't no. mean I don't yeah. mean like the earthly I know what you're saying human justice. I mean like God is a God who is righteous yeah. and he's also just. And so when we love God and when we follow him, we do have a sense of justice. But it can be it can be distracting and unhelpful to us. It can steer us off course if that's all we're focusing on. That's right. We need to make sure that we are focusing on our lives, our individual lives on making sure that they are right with God. We are following God so that we can impact those around us rather than just screaming at other people for being wicked. Wicked people are always going to exist uh, until they don't, which is what this yeah. psalm is talking and, about. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it, life is fleeting. Life is short. God is justice. He will bring justice and we can rest in that. So there is, there is peace that comes even in the midst of wickedness and chaos and the absence of justice right now. There will be justice. That's right. Right. Okay. Psalm 38 is a plea for forgiveness. Uh, The psalmist is asking God for forgiveness. So like in verse four, he says, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Um, And in verse 21, he says, Lord, do not forsake me. Do not be far from me. My God, come quickly to help me, my Lord and my savior. So it's just in that moment of recognizing your sin and asking for forgiveness. Psalm 39, um, David we see David contemplating how short life is uh, because he's going through correction from God and he asks God to help him live better. Mm. Help me to do better, which is a very good prayer. Psalm 40, uh, it goes from, it's really interesting. It goes from uh, praising God for answering prayers and saving David to crying out for more help. So we we really get to see in Psalm 40 this 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 back and forth of human emotions coming from David who had experienced both things. Like he had experienced rescue, but he's also experienced just he gets rescued and then he gets poured back into more trouble. Right. So he needs rescuing again. It's like back and forth and back and forth. So we get to see this mixture of human emotions. Yeah, and, and- here, I'll even read some, which sure. I find interesting. Verse 2 to 3, I'm going to read verse 10 after. Mm-hmm. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. This gets a little bit prophetic here. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken 
I have spoken of your faithfulness and of your salvation. I've not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. So long story short, here we have here, at the very beginning, you saved me from the pit of destruction. Mm-hmm. And then I haven't hidden it. I've told everyone about you. Yeah. That sounds a lot like a Christian witness. Mm-hmm. That sounds a lot like evangelism to me. Mm-hmm. But it's the Old Testament. You think about that, about how God's plan hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. God's plan for the world has always been the same. Even then, we're supposed to, like, before, like, Christ, they knew they were waiting for the Messiah, but they're supposed to give a good account of God and sing. Since the very beginning, it's always yes. been about the, your yes. quote-unquote Christian witness. It's always been about what God has done for you and showing that in every single way. Uh, and what's really in here, what's really impactful is I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. Not from people. I have not hidden my de- your deliverance within my heart from myself, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I, right? I have not deluded myself into being like, it's all me, nor have I hidden it from other people in a Christian witness sense because those two run in tandem. Yes, they do. Anyways, but it's just really interesting to uh, to think about that. Agreed. Yeah. It is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Okay, Psalm 41 is another psalm of betrayal, uh, but this is, I think this is very relatable. We see, we see David... Um, even people that he thought were his friends, David is is in a period of sickness, and he's saying even people that I thought were my friends are now hoping that I'm going to die from this sickness. Yeah. So he is just feeling so betrayed, uh, and he's just praying for God to help him because he knows that God is always faithful and will not betray him, so he's reaching out to God. Man. Yeah, verse 7 to 8. A deadly thing is poured out on him. He will not rise again from where he lies. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. Mm-hmm. And part of this, this sort of reminds me of Judas Iscariot, for the obvious reason, for dipping yeah. the bread part, right? Yeah. Um, but it just goes to show, like, but what's amazing about David is he always ties it to praise. Yeah. Like, at bottom, at bottom, no matter what happens... With everything going on around him, there's a praise underpins his character. Yes. Well, and okay, so this is this is the relationship element that that is throughout the entire scripture. And this is what God offers us. He doesn't just offer us salvation from sin and hell, which of course he does. Right. Yeah. Of course that is what he does. But that's not where it ends. Like God can become that anchor for our soul that Hebrews talks about. Right. And we see that here. We see that. Like David David is sick. His health has been taken away from him. But not only that, the very people that he trusted have now betrayed him and he doesn't know who he can trust. Right. Except he knows he can trust God. That's right. He It's that having that anchor for your soul that Hebrews talks about, having that, that refuge, that strong tower, that thing that no one can take away from us. You know, I think of Paul when he talks about how nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. That's what he's talking about. Yeah. So this is the joy of the Christian life is that is is that not just that we have been saved, but that we are actively being saved by having God in our lives. That's right. As a constant that can never be taken away from us. And and that is what gives us the ability to weather the storms of life and to go through suffering. Yeah. And Psalms really 
draws that out. I think it's a, such Quite a, a powerful yeah. element of Psalms. You know, when you take the time to go through it and just to sit with them. I know there's there's people who who um, ascribe to a liturgy, so they ascribe to a schedule of reading the Psalms, and some of them read it daily. I think this is a great idea. Like, this <laughs> yeah. is awesome because it really does bring your faith to the forefront when you have you know time to think about it. Right. Okay, Psalm 42 and 43, we're going to look at together. Um, Psalm 42, you'll see uh, a heading in your Bible that talks about book one. So we've been reading Psalms book one thus far. So Psalm 1 to 41. Uh, and what's interesting about that is that book one of Psalms, we're probably all Davidic. There's only two Psalms that don't have like a Psalm of David written on them. Uh, But in book two, just about half of them claim to be Davidic. Uh, All right. And a lot of people think that uh, Psalm 42 and 43 were actually one Psalm to begin with. I see. They weren't separate, which is why I'm dealing with them together. Okay. Okay. So... Uh, There's this uniting phrase throughout them. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Goes on to talk about how our soul, how his soul is thirsting for God, wanting to be rescued um, and wanting to be able to go praise God in Jerusalem specifically. Uh, You know, this, the, the first verse here is, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. And then the last verse of Psalm 43 is, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Mm. So it's this desperation, but then also put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Psalm 44, this is a national mourning uh, psalm. Uh, we don't know why the the nation was in mourning, but we know something really bad must be happening, potentially losing uh, to an to an enemy, and they don't know why. Uh, a quote from that is, "Awake, Lord! Why do you sleep? Rouse yourself! Do not reject us forever! Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? Rise up and help rescue us because of your unfailing love." Mm. So it's this desperation. Psalm 45 was a wedding song for the king of Jerusalem, which is really interesting. Uh, Psalm 46, uh, this is all about God as a refuge. So it begins, God is our refuge, meaning us a place of safety. It begins with God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, he says, be still and know that I am God. Mm. Be still and know that I am God. In that knowing of who God is, there is peace even in chaos. And, and, to, and to add, yeah. It works. It works. <laughs> the sea and the mountains are also spiritual yeah. archetypes as well. So it's not just like, hey, earthquake and, you know, you're on this. It's not just those things. Like, obviously, physical mm-hmm. creation often is a reflection of what actually is more important, the spiritual mm-hmm. things. The mountain, the, the mountains usually the high places, the things of the spiritual nature. And it's these often chaos, the things that you can't control, like we've talked about this in the past. So you have these things, even in the spiritual realm, mm-hmm. know 
Like, don't worry. The things that you cannot see, the things you cannot control, mm-hmm. know that I am God, right? It's yeah. like on both and both dimensions, spiritual and physical. So that's really powerful. It is. Yeah. It really is. Okay, Psalm 47 talks about how God is over all nations. That's the theme of that. He's king over all earth, regardless of who acknowledges him right now or not. Psalm 48, um, there's this balance between praising Jerusalem for its beauty, for being the capital of Judah, for being the home of Solomon's temple, and praising God, who is even greater than this great city. Right. So it's like, yeah, it's 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 good to acknowledge that Jerusalem's pretty awesome. Like in that time, in that day and age when this was being written, it was pretty great. And it was it it was a symbol for Judah. It became a symbol of of um, God's presence for better or for worse, like at first for better and then later it kind of went off. But it it balances that with praising God who is over. It puts God in his, in his place. So essentially don't idolize Jerusalem. Keep the worship right. where it's going. That's right. Psalm 48. Okay, Psalm 49, which is the last one we're going to look at today. This is another wisdom psalm, meaning that it was meant to teach. It was meant to give wisdom and knowledge. It focuses on where the life of the wicked person will end up. Uh, Let me read you a couple of verses here. Hear this, all you peoples. Listen, all who live in this world, both low and high, rich and poor alike. My mouth will speak words of wisdom. The meditation of my heart will give you understanding. I will turn my ear to a proverb. With the harp, I will expound my riddle. Psalm 49. So it's really, I mean, I hope that teased you enough to go and read Psalm 49 because it's really (laughs) interesting. It is a really interesting one. But yeah, all right. So do you have anything else to add for this? Psalm 19 to 49. We've got a lot more Psalms to go through. So I hope you enjoy reading them this week. Pop any comments or questions down below and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for watching. We want to keep producing high quality biblical content, but we can't do it without your support. If you feel called to support us, please click the link in the description under donate. Your support really means a lot to us.